0: happy sabbath thank you for having me first and foremost Um, i um, received an invitation to come visit your church from your pastor ivaldo and um, we got um, anyway i was going to do literature ministry here i still do do that and he invited me today so that's how i'm here but a little bit about myself Um, i'm originally from bulgaria in eastern europe I um, went to school at Andrews University, and um, I did my bachelor degree there in theology, and I've been working as a literature evangelist uh, ever since. That's what I do even until today. It's a great ministry. Maybe I get to share a little bit about it in my sermon. And um, So, yeah, that's about me. Nothing too special. I'm not married yet, so, you know. It's, uh, it's life sometimes, and um, I have an older brother who lives in Bulgaria, and my mom lives in Italy, and I'm still uh, here in Canada. My ministry is right now. I live and work in Etobicoke in Toronto. So, Anyway, so thank you first and foremost for having me, like I said, and um, just wanted to also extend a greeting and welcome. And I uh, wanted to say that uh, it's a good place to be here. You know, it's God's church. That's kind of what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. And uh it's not a better place to be. Even if it's hard outside, you know, the words of Peter, you know, where shall we go? You know. So I wanna assure you, it's a good place to be here, you know. It's a good place. As hard as it is, as downcast where well, we could be, as misunderstood we could be as seventy Adventists. That's where can where else can we go? We know this this is the truth so um okay let's get into it uh the text that brenda read what a what a powerful uh text it is it could be said so much about it uh, i'm just going to read it to you again it's found in the first timothy uh, that's chapter let me see here Anyway, um, Paul says, These things write out unto thee, hoping to come to thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that ye may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, um, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justifying in the spirit, seen of angels, believing on in the world, preaching unto the Gentiles, received up into glory. So uh, a little bit about Timothy and Paul. Uh, probably we, we all know the great apostle Paul. And um he in his missionary journeys he found uh an associate, you know. Uh his name was Timothy. And um Well, you know what? Just, sorry, before I continue. Is it okay if I say another prayer? Would that be okay with you? Okay, let's do that. Sorry, I just got carried away. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this uh, moment and this hour. I pray that as we open your word and as we study that uh, your spirit might guide and bless us. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Yes. So, Paul... A little bit about Paul, probably you know him. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a zealous, uh, educated man. He, um, according to the testimony of the Apostle Peter, he was a wise man. He says, according to the wisdom which God has given to our beloved brother, the Apostle Paul, in whom also in writing in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unstable and unlearned, twist to their own destruction. Paul writing about the Sorry, Peter, writing about the writings of Paul that some of these things are hard to be understood. Anyhow, what we know about Paul is that he was fearless, um, he was strong in the faith, and once he was converted, he became a a great general. Uh, As a matter of fact, um, in my studies, I was reading um, the Spirit of Prophecy, where the Acts of the Apostles, Ellen White makes a comment that you know usually, uh, you know, in a great war you have generals, and uh, if one general falls, the army you know, he's encouraged and excels because one of the great men is fallen. But it is even more appropriate if that general turns sides. You know, he knows the, um, what's the word, the logistics of the other army. Anyhow, so God took this man, Paul, Saul, the persecutor, made him Paul the Apostle. And um, he spent some time in uh, Arabia, you know, and he eventually came back to the church. Nobody believed him. People actually were afraid of him. And uh, one man by the name of Barnabas took him and introduced him to the apostles. And uh, he gave his testimony as to how God appeared to him. Um, anyway, and he uh, he traveled with Barnabas uh, throughout Asia Minor. Uh, Greece, eventually. But Asia Minor, that's, that's today's Turkey, for those of you who don't know. And he... Uh, He started many of the churches there, probably most of them. And uh, on his second missionary journey, uh, he said to Barnabas, his uh, companion in mission, let us go again and visit the churches that we have uh, established. And during that time, uh, Barnabas said, well, can we take uh, Mark? And Mark was a helper to them in the first missionary journey. But Mark... um, Abandoned them. It was too hard for him. And Paul said, No, I don't want to take this guy. And um, the contention was short, so sharp that they split. And Paul took Bar- uh, Silas, and Barnabas took Mark. So, anyway, long story short, they separated. And uh, Paul and Silas now are going through the churches of uh, Asia Minor. Uh, and Paul, the great apostle, So the Gentiles was also tenderly and lovingly united in bonds of love and Christian fellowship to Timothy, from where our text is taken today. And um, Timothy's father, a little bit about him, Timothy's father was Greek while his mother was a Jewish Christian. We read in the Acts of the Apostles 16, verse 1, take you that a little bit. Mm. Uh, From childhood he had been taught the scripture, we know that. From 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. And um, Paul called him my true son in the faith and heaven led him to faith in Christ during his first visit to Lystra. That's one of the cities in Asia Minor. At the time of his second visit, Paul invited Timothy to join him on his missionary travels. And since he was not circumcised, he circumcised him so that his Greek ancestry would not be a, a liability in working with the Jews. Timothy helped Paul evangelize Macedonia and Achaia. Achaia is another province close to Macedonia, and was with him during much of his long preaching ministry at Ephesus. Ephesus, I'm sorry. He he traveled with him from Ephesus to Macedonia to Corinth, back to Macedonia to Asia Minor. He may even have been uh, accompanying him all the way to Jerusalem. He was with Paul during the Apostle's first imprisonment. And following Paul's release, Timothy again traveled with him, but eventually stayed at Ephesus to deal with the problems there, while Paul went to Macedonia. And Paul's closeness to the ad- admiration of Timothy is seen in Paul's naming him as the co-sender of his six letters. So Paul, when he was in prison, he would use you know secretaries and helpers, and Timothy was actually one of his most trusted ones. Um, and uh, Paul speaks very highly of him. We read in Philippians. Actually, that will be interesting to see a couple of the verses I put here. And uh, Let's see Philippians. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly to you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who would naturally care for your state. So Paul had great confidence in Timothy. He calls him my own son in the faith. Um, And like we said uh, earlier, he named as a co-sender of six of his letters, which were to be actually eventually drawn into the canon of the New Testament. Um, Timothy also himself followed in the footsteps of Paul. He was uh, in prison. We read in the book of Hebrews. Uh, at the end of Paul's life, um, Paul requested Timothy to join him at Rome. Uh, again, what happened to Paul? If you remember, he went to Jerusalem. The Jews caught him and said, this is the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarene. And um, they sent him. They wanted to destroy him. But since Paul was a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar. And um, in second imprisonment, actually he was uh, going to be beheaded. And Paul knew that. So That's where we come to our text today. Uh, Paul had great solicitude and love for Timothy. Knowing that he had very short time left, he wanted to instruct Timothy as to what he has to do. Um, uh, I also wanted to read you a little quote of uh, what Ellen White says about the bond between them two. But there was one friend for whose sympathy and companionship, Paul that is, he longed for in those last days. That friend was Timothy to whom he had committed the care of the church at Ephesus, who had there who, who had heretofore been who had been left behind at his voyage to Rome. The affection between this youthful labor and the apostle began with Timothy's conversion through the labors of Paul, and the tie had strengthened as the disparity in their age and the difference in their character made their interest and love for each other more earnest and sacred. The ardent, zealous, indomitable spirit of Paul found repose and comfort in the mild, yielding, retiring character of Timothy. The faithful ministration and tender love of this tried companion had brightened many a dark hour of the apostle's life. So, Paul really loved this man. He 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 didn't love him just like just like anybody because he loved him. The Bible says as his own son, and. In my studies, I realized, you know, that the way Paul loved Timothy is the way how God loves us. You know, uh, God is the one actually who has um, converted us, so to speak, through his spirit, right? We read in the Bible, don't you know that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So, um, in in this love and companionship, uh, Paul had a great interest in the well-being of Timothy. And so, he gave him certain instructions and and, and and things to do, like we read in the verse, uh, in the church that he had given him to. And as far as Timothy is concerned, sometimes I see Timothy as uh, us, as the the sons uh, and daughters of God. And uh, God has given us a certain charge and responsibility that He wants us to uh, dispense, so if he, so to speak. So. Um, From the text for the day, we we read that Paul says, uh, I long to come to you shortly, but if I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the church of the living God. Um, Paul had given, in previous to uh, that, in the first Timothy, Paul had given um, instructions as to Timothy, how he should guide the church, what he should do. But now he says, you know, if I tarry long or I'm not able to come, you know what to do. So, God also had left to us certain things that we need to do in the church if He tarries long. That is, if, if, if God's blessing or if God doesn't come yet, because we as Adventists profess that we wait for Him. there's certain things which we need to do. And He continues, without, um, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. So, I'd like to take a, a few moments here to talk about a little bit about the church because um, Paul gave a charge to Timothy about his church. So that is, God has given also charge for us, what we need to do with his church while he tarries, while he's not physically present with us. So uh, what is church? According to some people, church is um, a building, you know, that's the cathedral, that's the stained glass, and you know, the cross on top, the organ, the choir, that is the church. Some people believe the church is, um, you know, I'm the church, you know. I, the people are the church. We we compose the church. Some people believe the church is um, denomination, which which is true, you know. We believe the Seventh-day Adventist church. We are the church, the denomination. And um, the, the word church itself comes from actually a Greek word, which means ecclesia. Uh, we come from to, comp- which is a compound word, ek, which is a preposition, which means out of, and uh, kaleo, which means to call. So literally, the church is the called out of. So the people that are called out for a certain purpose. So again, not that the, the things before are not, um, that I mentioned, that are not true. They are truthful. Um, the church also has a building. The church has people. and The church has... Um, denomination but ultimately the church is something that is called out for a certain purpose and uh, church has uh, certain rules like paul charged timothy certain rules and doctrines right so um, you know if, if um, what we believe and what our church teaches is and uh, what our doctrines are actually are important that is kind of what the church is called to do right and um, we know from uh, from the bible that God in Christ has birthed the church. He says to Peter that upon himself, that is upon the rock. That he's going to build this church. And the gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. Um, the church of God also has a, a mission. Uh, the church of God has certain expectation and, and duties. That, um, that she needs to perform. While in the absence of, absent, in the, absence of um, the physical Christ um, the Church of God is his fortress in the earth, his city of refuge he holds in a revolted world. Any betrayal of the Church is treachery to him who has bought mankind with the blood of his only begotten Son. so the church is something very important as we found out in in in, uh, in the text that we had today it 's the pill and ground of the church tru- of the truth, uh, the Church of the living God so um, any Anything that we speak, sometimes we feel like we're displeased with the church, the way it works, or the administration, or we grudge. So we need to remember that when we do these things, God says, you know, you do it to me. Because I have established these things. Uh, and I say that by by experience, because um, I wasn't born Seventh Adventist. And uh, I was grew up in, it was a post-communist country. People didn't talk about God, or if they did, it was kind of with mockery or... You're a loser. You're deluded. You know when you become a Christian, and uh, <clears throat> that's uh, I've never I've never been churched, so to speak. I've never had to pay tithe, offering, visit every every week a church. But when I was converted, I I felt the spirit and power of God in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. So I was very excited, and I um you know I didn't care too much, to be honest with you, about administration and what had to be done. But uh I realized that the, the the norms and uh the things that God has established for us in the church are um are important, you know, like tight paying like Wednesday night prayer meeting, like church membership for many years i didn't have my membership here. I was somewhere else and and um then I realized you know what that's something that i need to I need to take care of, you know, even today, many pastors have issues with membership people that left and never even said hello or goodbye so Anyway, this is um, something that I learned. You know, there are certain things that God has in the church that He wants us to abide by. And uh, if not, you know, uh, like we said, the church is also the place where God has manifested His love and character. The church is composed of people, as we mentioned, people who have like mind, faith, and believe in the doctrines of God. You know, like uh, read, we read again in that same verse, God was manifest in the flesh. So. God wants us to say to the world, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean God to come in the flesh? Why He had to come? That's uh, another topic. But He um, see, was seen of angels. We know this is another teaching that our church has. You know, because we know from the spirit of prophecy that the uh, great controversy that started between Christ and Satan started in heaven. You know? And the intelligent heavenly beings that did not join Satan in his rebellion, they were wondering, you know, is, was Satan really right? So God, through His church, manifests His character. You know, it was the claim of Satan that, you know, you or God are unjust. You need to, you know, you, you ask us to keep certain laws and commandments, but you don't do them yourself. You just sit on that throne and you tell us and as a king, you know. What we need to do. And since God was uh, so majestic and powerful. You know Satan gained a foothold. And we know a third of the angels were cast out. So as we're in the text today. God was seen of angels. So God's character was vindicated. Um, uh, through the heavenly universe. That it was through no fault of his own that sin existed. It was actually the rebellion of Satan. Uh, God also wants through his church. To show um, to people his idea of uh, good health right we we know as Seventh-day Adventists, God has given us certain laws and things that we need to we need to abide by and I was just probably you know that too you know as but as a literature evangelist I've seen that that the health books that we have are really special so God gave us a special message about that and uh, in a research in uh, National Geographic actually Loma Linda University in particular they found that people there lived to be almost to 100 Right, Many of them live to be 100 even more. And they live on average 10 years longer. So God through his goodness wants and through the prosperity of his children in the church. He wants to show his character to the world. Uh, that's another important thing. And another important mission of the church. Uh, God has also compared his church to a beautiful and delicate woman. He says in Jeremiah six two, I have lightened the daughter of Zion to a beautiful and delicate woman. And uh, also in Isaiah 54 we know that we read for your husband is your maker the Lord of hosts is his name and in Jeremiah 3 4 God says that I'm your husband so that should kind of give us a little bit of I don't know of uh, sense for those people sometimes that feel dejected and downcast feeling though no, I'm not worth it I don't I don't I I don't count to anything you know I always fail and do this and that you should remember that God calls you you know his his bride, you know, just the just like a husband loves his wife, so God loves His church, and the, <clears throat> He says, "I'm married to you." And by the way, in the context of Jeremiah, it was that Israel was leaving him and doing all kinds of foolishness and rebellion against His law. It is then that God says, "You know, come back to me. I'm married to you." You know, and God doesn't believe in divorce. One well, He's taken us, He He cannot He cannot leave us. So. You know, remember that, you know, God loves us and God has called us uh, his bride and his, his wife. Um, also, God has given another il- illustration that I'd like to share with you in the prophet Isaiah. He compares his church to a vineyard. And I'll read that to you real quick. He says in Isaiah chapter 1. No, sorry, in Isaiah chapter, let me see, 5. He says, um, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard in a very fruitful field. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with a choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press there. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes. I'll leave the last portion. <laughs> because in that case, he brought forth wild grapes. But um, God's idea... For his church um, is to have certain fruit. He compares us to a vineyard. He first of all, we read here that he fenced it. You know, uh, usually, I'm not a farmer, but you know, I imagine if you fence it, you know, thieves will not come and they will not go, or animals will not going to come and eat. Uh, so he take took away the stones. So if the field is stony and has things that. Are inappropriate to be there. You know, God takes them out. So He clears the plot, He fences it, uh, He builds a tower in the midst of it. Literally, that was actually the temple of God that God gave to Israel. That they had a temple, and He made a wine press. And um, the fence usually also represents God's law. So God gives us His law. That is the fence. God uh, clears uh, the thorns, and there's also sometimes. Those people who are all right. That's another topic. I shouldn't go there. But I'm just saying (laughs) that uh, God will will clear things that are not good for His church. You know, Uh, He he He'll give us a pure doctrine. We know He built a wine press, and the vine actually represents, and the wine represent the teaching and doctrines of the Word of God. And He also um, built a wine press there. And wine press, if you know, is something that where you go and you take the fruit and You kind of grind it down, and it becomes wine, you know. So um, the the whole purpose of that vineyard was uh, for it to have to bear fruit and to give, you know, to to bring uh, prosperity, you know, to the owner of it. You know, he he would use the wine and sell it and so forth. But as uh, as as good as this comparison, it is. You know, it's uh, God's church is not a wine press or or a vineyard per se, but it's made up of people. And 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 just like the farmer husbandman has expectation from his vineyard, so God has expectation from us. He says, "I look." We read a little bit down. "I look that you should bring forth grapes, and you bring forth wild grapes." And he says, further on. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plank. And this is also what he looked for. He says, I look for judgment, but behold oppression. For righteousness, but behold a crime. And so, although we today as a church, we're not as bad as them, right? God, we know from the book of Revelation, that God has a couple other things against us as well, right? He says in Revelation chapter 3, to the book of Laodicea, which theologians and and generally would believe that represents the the last day church. So he says, um, I know that you're rich and increased in goods and don't need nothing. But um, you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I counsel you to buy gold and be tried in the fire that you may be rich. So God has certain things against us today like he had uh, to Israel. I'm going to talk a little bit about that if that's okay with you. God has given us um, the literature ministry. He has given us the health message, and uh, very often, in my experience, I have seen as being very much neglected. And so God, you know, He says, "I'm your husband, and I expect something, some love, and some fruit from you." And today, God um, expects something from us. So, and that, that when it comes to the literature ministry, I, I think one of the elders mentioned that you were going to do like outreach, literature outreach. Yes. Oh. If I'm not mistaken, but anyway, I'm just saying that's a good thing that you do it. But many churches today do not do any literature ministry. Um, God says for His church that He also we should have like a health seminars and cooking school. That was actually what we had in our church as well in, in, in Bulgaria, and many many of the people in our community came just because of that. So here's another expectation that maybe um, you could think about. You know, if further on if you. Anyway, I'm saying all these things because uh, God says in his word, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And he says, um, uh, every tree that doesn't bear fruit in my vineyard, or in my church, or in my house, is cut down. And it's cast into the fire, and it's burned. God is, uh, doesn't play games with us, right? And that's what, Tim, that's what Paul wanted to impress to Timothy. If I tear along, you should know how you ought to behave yourself. Because the church of God is a special place. It's a holy place. It has a high mission. It is kind of the means through which God shows his character to the world. And to the angels. And to the universe at large. Uh, so he expects something from us. And um, I, um, Timothy was... I mean, like I said in the beginning of my sermon. That God um, used Timothy and Paul... At, for me that's how at least I see it uh, of the bond between Timothy and Paul is the bond that God has with us you know Paul was the founder of that church the apostle and so God is the founder of our church today and um he he expects us to have certain fruits you know he expects us to have a, an understanding of his doctrines he also wants us to uh to show corresponding gravity and uh, interest in what his mission is. So, I just wanted to read you a couple uh, of, of a brief uh, passage again from the Spirit of Prophecy as to um, how Timothy reacted to that charge that uh, Paul gave him. In his work he constantly sought Paul's advice and instruction. He did not move from impulse but exercise consideration. And calm thought, inquiring at every step, is this the way of the Lord? The Holy Spirit found in him one who could be molded and fashioned as a temple for the indwelling of the divine presence. So can we say that to of us today? You know, are we like Timothy? Do we seek Paul's advice or do we seek the word of God? Because Paul spoke by the Spirit of God? Do we do we seek God's the, the advice of Paul or Peter or the apostles uh, at every step, do we inquire, is this the way of the Lord? Right? Or is this not the way of the Lord? I could we could flip it a little bit, you know, is we know the way of the Lord is keep the law and the commandments of God, but I, I this is my conviction today, I, I, as far as I read the, the scripture and understand it. God says, you You don't have corresponding works, you know, you're not a bad person, he says you're not evil or, or good you look warm you know we, we, um, and sometimes he says i wish you were cold or hot so then because you look warm the, i will spew you out that's kind of very scary but it, it is what it is god doesn't play with us he doesn't also want us maybe you heard the term play church you know because church is not like a building right church is like we mentioned earlier it's the pulling ground of the truth God is the founder of the church, and it's the bride of Christ. So He wants us to see. He wants to see His character in us. Um, and Timothy gave a corresponding answer. You know, he saw Paul. He he leaned on him. And for me, I believe uh, the the writings and they're called the epistles, the pastoral epistles to Timothy was were one of the most tender and most instructive in in all the writings of Paul. Uh, although some things are hard to be understood, the things in Timothy are not so hard. He says, here is the things that I want you to do. And that, that is in a sense what God wants to do with us. He is what I want you to know. The church of God is the pillar and ground of the truth. So don't play with it. If I tarry long or don't come, you learn how to behave. You know, um, It says, God was manifest in the flesh. So these are the doctrines of our church. He was seen of angels, believed on in the world, preached to the Gentiles, received up into glory. Um, and, um, and we know from, all, from Scripture that all heaven is involved in the great task of our redemption. And um, this is kind of also the purpose of God. He wants to show His love, like I said. Um, the pillar and ground of the truth. So I have another question and probably I'll finish with that. Does um like Paul says to Timothy if I tarry and I have a question if you feel in yourself does God tarry for you today? That, I mean tarry that is. Does he stay away and does it, does or does he come when you call upon him? Does he come quickly and bless you? And what he do and if not why why not? You know, God God's ideal for Israel was for them to go in 40 days but they had to tarry 40 years before they came to that blessed place and why was it that because they were not ready to trust him they were not ready to follow his instruction they were not ready when God said go to war they said no these people too much for us then they said okay God God said no more and he says okay you're gonna walk and they said no no but we want to go to war they went in rebellion again so they were bitten by serpents so if you're bitten by a serpent or scorpion or you have troubles in your life, you know. Maybe we should, all of us, we should look at ourselves. <clears throat> God, am I murmuring to you? Why are you taking so long to come? Why aren't you coming? And um, or, and then when I look at myself, why if God hasn't come? And we know that we have the ability to hasten His coming. Am I doing what God wants me to do? All right. And um, are you in the wilderness? As Israel waiting to go to heavenly Canaan, and yet being bitten by snakes, scorpions. We read that Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, and, and as then, so it is now. The healing that came to the church was when the serpent was, li- as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so, Jesus said today, must the Son of man be lifted up. So in his church, if when Christ is lifted up, when his sacrifice and example is followed, then, as Israel in ancient time when they were bitten by all these things they were healed of their maladies some people refused to look thinking ah oh, just looking at that serpent is not going to do anything and they and they die <clears throat> because they murmured says god is so bad they wanted to even kill and stone you know the story right they wanted to kill and stone aaron and moses <clears throat> but god said okay i'm going to remove my this fence that i've put around this vineyard i'm going to remove it and you're going to see if it's bad <laughs> and it became a lot, a lot worse. So anyway, and, 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 and at the moment when Israel looked at that uh, serpent on the pole, that was the story, and uh, they were healed. And so today, uh, uh, if we look back to Calvary, God says, if you, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So when Christ is lifted in our, in our church, we're going to be healed from our maladies. Anyway, I just wanted to wrap up with this. For me, when I started this lesson, uh, that the solicitude and love that Paul had for Timothy, and the care he had, and the instruction he gave him, that is what God has for us today. He's given us certain charge. He's given us certain things that we need to do before he comes. Until he, uh, While he's tarrying, he wants us to understand the doctrine that we have, and uh show corresponding gravity and interest, because all heaven is interest in the salvation of mankind, not just a few people that we are here to today, right there are seven billion people out there that God wants to reach so anyway that's my appeal to you today. Thank you for patiently <laughs> listening to me i'm not a great preacher as of yet, but um by experience, I know that if the my happiness I found. When when I do what God wants for me, when I'm idle and don't do God's work, when I don't serve, and I'll finish with this. You know, he, Jesus gave a um, an example. It says, um, a seed unless it's thrown into the ground, it dies, it doesn't bear any fruit. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So that so it is with our lives. If 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 in our lives we we live to ourselves, we are not willing to die to our selfishness to our own in self-seeking to our own it could be sometimes i don't know um some people believe i'm too shy to do something for god i'm too shy or i'm not well prepared my home doesn't look as good like martha said to invite other people you know does this prevent you from bearing fruit or from serving other people then don't let it do it you know or some people's you know are afraid saying oh no man i i'm going to suffer what's the word i'm looking for um shame you know people will say oh you're a stupid guy how could you believe in something you don't see and again you know christ calls us you know if if that seed stays by itself you know it's it will do nothing but if it dies and if it's thrown in the ground it's going to bear much fruit so that's my appeal to us today let us try to strive to look to jesus who was lifted up and he healed all the maladies. So if Christ is lifted up in our church, if you feel downcast, unhappy, unfulfilled, think about this. You know, Jesus says, um, you know, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. While you were sitting in a nice houses, I was in prison and you visited me. You know, while you, while we sometimes, um, you know, <laughs> stay in, in our pleasant homes, Jesus says I was homeless. You know, I, I I was there. So Christ identifies with fallen humanity. So that's, I think, what he wants us to do today, you know, to realize that we have a mission and um, that he wants us to show corresponding um, interest in that mission. Thank you.